have all heard about how first impressions matter. Let's be honest. What do you first notice about a person? The clothes, right? Your clothing has the power to shape impressions, convey identity, and influence confidence. In a world where first impressions matter, this aspect invites reflection on the intricate relationship between personal style and the image we project to the world. Hi, I'm Tej. I host Jezuba Talks, a series of podcasts dedicated to sharing inspiring stories of incredible people. And incredible people we are talking to today. Allow me to introduce Andrew Madan Ramroop, an exceptionally talented artist renowned for his exquisite craftsmanship. Andrew Rambrook OBE, Order of the British Empire, has had the privilege of creating bespoke garments for some of the most discerning clients. Politicians, captains of industry, entertainers, and international business people from all over the world make their way to Morris Sedwell with the knowledge that they will be dressed to perfection. And he also runs the Civil Row Academy, a limited liability company and registered charity. Welcome to Chesupa Talks, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Truly honored and very excited to have you speak today. Andrew, uh, you are highly decorated, highly recommended and vastly sought after. I'd love for you to tell us about your and Civil Row Academy's beginnings. Well, the early, my early beginnings uh, is in Trinidad and Tobago. I had always aspired to be a tailor, always wanted to learn to make shirts like what I'm wearing and pants, as we say in Trinidad. Um, I did not want to go on to further education um, for lots and lots of reasons. But I think perhaps um, the early beginnings that I wanted to become a tailor was influenced very much by the, the lack of having too much by way of clothing and so on. And I felt that the only way I can get it is to, is to make it. And I used to hang around a tailor shop uh, in the village in Tunapuna, where I am in Trinidad, and really looking over the wall and seeing the tailors work not really learning anything officially, but just being where the excitement yes, was. Mm -hmm. it's, like a, it's like an aspiring young cricketer looking at a cricket game and thinking, oh, that's I would like to be involved, and then gradually getting uh, involved in the game and, and learning. For me, learning tailoring was like a child learning a new language or learning to play a musical instrument. I found it very, very easy to put garments together. And so I sought apprenticeship. I left school at a very young age. I was not yet 14 years old when I left school. And uh, I went on, I did my apprenticeship. I learned to make trousers very quickly. And then I aspired to learn to make jackets. That also I learned to make very quickly. So before I was 15 years old, I was able to make jackets and trousers. And so I worked and worked extremely hard. The working hours of a young tailor or any tailors for that matter, it's not nine to five. For me, I started at 20 minutes past seven in the mornings. 
I would come in at 20 past 7, sweep the shop, put the lights on, switch the irons on, and by 7.30 I started work, and I would finish at 9 at night. So my day was a 12-hour day, and I was, you know, just over 14 years old. So I put in a lot of hours in learning the trade. And so from that age to when I was 17 and a half, I was making beautiful garments, and I was encouraged by a lot of people that I should go to America or to go to Canada. And the reason why they were encouraging me is because I will do the same amount of work and I will get double pay because it was two dollars to one Trinidad dollar at a time. But I had heard of Savile Row where, you know, presidents, Hollywood stars, the rich and famous, that's where they go to have their suits made. It is the pinnacle of sartorial excellence. And like a a young athlete, I suppose, wanting to be in the Olympics and wanting to win a gold medal, I wanted to go on to Savile Row and practice what I have learned. Also, wanting to develop my career. And so I saved every cent I earned. And just about everything I earned, I, I saved and saved and saved. And so by the time I was 17 and a half years old, I had enough money to buy a boat ticket not a plane ticket, and I bought a boat ticket. And I often say I sailed to Savile Row. I didn't sail to London or sail to Europe or sail to England. I sailed to Savile Row because that was my, you know, if you use the term like a, a horse's blanket, I was, I, I was sort of a, a, a horse's blind, let's say. I was yeah. focused on going on to Savile Row and developing a career in, on Savile Row. And I got a job straight away on Savile Row, uh, but I felt if I really wanted to get ahead and I wanted to excel, I needed to learn formalized way of Savile Row pattern drafting and cutting and fitting, mm -hmm. diagnosis and remedy. So diagnosing the problems of the fitting, knowing what the remedy would be and so on. I needed formalized training. And so I continued to work and work extremely hard. Now, from age 14 to 17 and a half years old, I was working 12 hours a day. And when I got to London, when I got to Savile Row, it was started 8 a.m. and finished at 6 p.m. And it was five days a week. Uh -huh. So suddenly I had all this extra time on my time hands. Time on your hands, yes. And I had Saturdays off, I had Sundays off, I had evenings and so I got another job and then I got a second job I got a third job and then I, I was doing three jobs at a time so I was working at Huntsman's on Savile Row during the week mm -hmm. and I had an evening job in Soho making trousers for another tailor and on Saturdays I had a job where the all the excitement of British fashion was on the King's Road in Chelsea yeah. I was doing alterations so I had a Saturday job, I had an evening job, and then I had a full-time job at Huntsman's. So I saved, again, saving is in my DNA. I saved as much as I possibly can. And I went on to London College of Fashion, the University of the Arts. And there I did it. I signed up for a three-year degree in bespoke tailoring. Now mm -hmm. that three-year degree really focuses on all of the values and all of the modules that I needed to learn to actually excel on Savile Row. And so having completed the first year, the principal invited me 
to complete the three-year degrees in two years. And in two years, I completed a three-year degree. So after the first year, I skipped the second year and went on to the third. That was very special because as a foreign student, I was paying £900 a year school fee. And £900 a year, way back in the early 70s, was a lot of money. It is, yeah. <laughs> Still is a lot of money. But I worked and I worked extremely hard. And I saved as much as I could. And uh, 15 students get selected for the first year. And 10 get selected for the second year. And then 8 get selected for the final year. So for me, after the first year, to be promoted onto the final year was very special. Not only, yeah, not only was I saving 900 pounds in fees, but mm. I was able to get back to Savile Row one year earlier. And I, you know, got recommendations for interviews and I, I failed at all the interviews because I didn't look right. Oh, I didn't okay. speak right. And at that time, not only racism was, was rife, but, you know, if you want Anglo-Saxon, if you want mm -hmm. Caucasian, mm -hmm. you want getting a look in at the front of the shop. And having started tailoring when I was just 14 years old, and now I'm 22 years old. No, I'm 20, 20, yes, 22 years old. This is 1974. I'm 22 years old. Um, and I'm looking for a job at the front of the shop where I can meet customers, where I can meet all of those famous people that I've heard about and all those wealthy people. But uh, the only jobs I was offered is at the back room. I, mm -hmm. I couldn't get a job at the front of the shop. Mm -hmm. And so I turned down all the offers for the, at the back room, and, but they wouldn't offer me any, shop, any jobs at the front. And so I decided that I'm not going to accept any of those offers. And I'd go back to, into the college and say to the principal, Mr. Clark, a very fine gentleman, I said I didn't get the job. He knew why, but I didn't know why, because I didn't understand um. racism. And one tailor said to me that our customers would not take kindly to a foreigner. Oh. But if you wanted a job in the back room, then we'll take you. And so that was my early experience of racism that I did not recognize. I did not think it was mm. the way I looked the way I speak. I had no idea why it was. Because coming from Trinidad, I didn't, I never heard the word racism. True. You know, there, there is Afro-Trinidadians, there's Chinese Trinidadians, there are Arab Trinidadians, lots of Spanish Trinidadians, there are Indo-Trinidadians. So we are very much of a cosmopolitan society. But having gone to the UK and not, you know, this was totally foreign to me. Mm. However, Maurice Sedwell, after every other student was placed, Maurice Sedwell called the college and asked if there was any graduates. And I was the only one that was left. <laughs> okay. And so he, Maurice Sedwell, Mr. Maurice Sedwell took me on a four-week trial. Uh -huh. And after, about, after the first or second week, he said to me, oh, you don't have to worry about the trial. Uh, you got a job here. And so that was in July 1974. Next year will be 50 years since I've been at Maurice Sedwell. The difference, however, is that I now own the company. Yes, yes. And you decided to and keep so the name. I decided to keep the name Maurice Sedwell because he's the only one who gave me a chance. So as a tribute to Mr. Maurice Sedwell, I kept the name.
But not only that, my focus had been on building a brand with a reputation for quality and service and not building a personality. Mm-hmm. And so I kept the name to build a brand as what it stood for, a pedigree of very fine tailoring. And I trained all the tailors that worked for me. In the interim, uh, the principal, the new principal of the London College of Fashion invited me to lunch and said I wanted to apply for a full-time job teaching at the London College of Fashion. Life comes full And I said, yeah, well, absolutely. And I said that I, my preference is to work on Savile Row. Mm-hmm. And so they offered me a part-time position, and I taught on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays at, on evening classes. And so I started that way back in 1976. Okay. And so I taught at a London College of Fashion from 1976 to 1988. I taught for 12 years evening classes. And so part of my DNA, if you like, has been in sharing knowledge and experience. And so what I did is, when I was a student, because I had prior knowledge, other students used to come to me for tuition. Mm -hmm. Because the teacher would be explaining what to do, and I would be able to assimilate that information very, very easily and Mm -hmm. put it into practice, whereas Mm -hmm. they had to learn. And so some of the students used to come to me and I would show them. And I was developing an ability to share my knowledge, to teach others without realizing that is what was happening to me. And so when I got the evening class position a couple of years after leaving, it was very easy for me to continue teaching. And so everyone that worked at the Maurice said, well, I used to order apprentices, I would teach them. I became very active in the, in the Taylor's Association. I was... Uh, voted to become president of the Taylors Association. And there were, coincidentally, there were 39 companies that were members of the Taylors Association. And I tried to get training in a formalized capacity on the agenda, mm-hmm. but the association would not accept it uh, for very selfish reasons. And so I said, after seven years as being president, I decided that I'm going to resign and to start the Savile Row Academy. Because there were so many applicants, people coming into Savile Row looking for apprenticeships, mm-hmm. and they weren't successful. And I thought my interest was to provide formalized training in all the disciplines, pattern drafting, pattern cutting, mm-hmm. fitting, tailoring of all the garments. And so with all the skills, you can then decide whether you wanted to start your own collection, hmm. whether you wanted to work for someone else and get some experience, or whether you just wanted to go out there and start your own business. You know, um, And so that's what I did. I, I, well, comparatively recently, for all of the years I've been on, on Savile Row and in the UK, I went there in 1970. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's 53 years ago. And so I felt that if I trained tailors to the highest standard attainable, mm. it was almost like going through, putting them through an interview process because I'm getting to learn their aptitude, their attitude towards work, right. and whether they had a, a certain amount of natural ability. Right. And so I would cherry pick 
those who I felt were possible Gifted, employees, mm -hmm. employed them. And I wow. still have from my first student in January 2008, I still have one of those persons work for me. His name is Damesh Parma. And Damesh still works for me. And now Damesh teaches at the Savile Row Academy. Wow, what a story, Andrew. That's amazing. Uh, right from the beginnings of your, uh, you know, tailoring and to the academy. What a story. I believe uh, you, you need to write an autobiography of this entire story. Well, my autobiography is, is very active at the moment. Uh -huh. I have Professor Henry Louis Gates, a very famous professor at Harvard University. Wow. He All approached right. me to write my autobiography and we've completed approximately 30 hours of interviews and they're having the Wonderful. interviews transcribed by a writer and I am now critiquing and looking at the first of five parts that, they, that they've, they've written or they've, they've, uh, they've, they've put together and so they've sent me 6,500 words of the first part and I've been looking at it and writing and rewriting and so far I've got it up to almost 12,000 words awesome. and so I'll get it done uh, I'll get the first part done very soon first of five parts done very soon and uh, hopefully maybe you know what uh, this is you're the first stage that's hearing about this but probably yeah. uh, there is be 50 years since I've been on Savile Row at Morissette that is Mm -hmm. And so hopefully we'll get a publisher and it will be part of the 50th anniversary publication, my autobiography. That's beautiful. I wish you all the luck and all the success. And I please remember me when that comes out. Of course I will. Of course I will. And everyone else is listening and watching. Yes, absolutely. I'm privileged. Uh, thank you for uh, telling us on this podcast. Mm -hmm.